Ahoy, Buck fans! Are ye looking for a different kind of podcast that centers on the yellow-bellied opponents? Well, you've come to the right place. Get ready for an enjoyable, in-depth look back at the important moments, historical facts, and games for the Buccaneers against this week's opposition. It's the No Quarter Given podcast on the BuckPower.com podcast network. Now, let's get started with your co-hosts, Jason Powers and Peter Blake. Welcome back, Buccaneer fans. It is a NFC division, NFC South division winning edition of the No Quarter Given podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers, along with Peter Blake. Peter, our Buccaneers have now moved to 11-4, NFC South Division champions. What are your thoughts? Hope, First of all, hope you had a Merry Christmas. I did. It was a Merry Christmas. Uh, lots of hanging out with the nieces and nephews, if you will, especially the niece teaching her how to say Tampa Bay. Now that has become my intro for my show, of course, the sports web. But look, you've got to love this effort. I mean, with all the injuries the Bucs had, and a lot of people saying, you know what, Carolina coming into this game, we talked about it defensively, 36 sacks, getting after it uh, with various players, and they weren't able to do anything. This offensive line shut them down. They protected Tom Brady, but it wasn't all Tom Brady, was it? It was the defense, seven sacks versus Cam Newton, who is a shell of himself, Sam Darnold. I feel like the Panthers don't have a quarterback, and that Bucks defense proved that. Jordan Whitehead all over the place. And then the setting of the tone, Keyshawn Vaughn, who's done very little and has made a lot of fans say, you know what, we should get rid of this kid. Maybe not. 55 yards to the house with uh, uh, Sorrell Grayson with the block. And then on top of it, my guy, the victim of volume in a Ronald Jones a total of 31 carries, 159 yards total between the rushing effort. They ran the ball more than they passed the ball. They played defense. It was a perfect effort, and you had to have that 32-6 to over the Carolina Panthers. Very little not to like about this game besides the obvious one, Shaq Barrett going out with an injury, and it looks like Jason Powers, he's going to miss some time. No, it does. It does. And so the day after Christmas, Bucks go to Carolina, 32-6, to emphatic performance, very solid effort, first division title since 2007. And like mm. you said, a very balanced attack. I like I like how they ran the ball with some consistency. We talked, you and I talked. Let's give Ronald Jones 20 carries, and he got exactly 20 carries. Not a huge yardage, but 65 good yards, a touchdown. And then you, you supplement that with Keyshawn Vaughn with the long 55-yard touchdown run. Brady was efficient in the passing game, mixed it around. Cam Brate with the touchdown catch. You had some other guys, Cyril Grayson with a big catch late in the first half down the sideline. So Antonio Brown, we're going to get to him here in a second. Hmm. What a performance coming back again. Every, I know people have different views of Antonio off the field, but on the field, you have, we all have to admit he's a hell of a player. Still, he got 15 targets, 10 catches for over a hundred yards. And he clearly was Tom Brady's go-to option. Anytime they got in third and long. Yeah. And what a breath of fresh air, because when you're missing Evans and Godwin, of course, it's going to hurt your offense. And you got a guy that missed, eight games came in there faced a Stefan Gilmore who you know some people believe he's one of the top corners in the league 
Not on Sunday, guys. Brown absolutely took him to school. It was refreshing to see Brown back in that offense. And, of course, see Grayson with the deep pass there. Uh, so, you know, these two guys, they may be, you know, big down the stretch. You're still waiting for Tyler Johnson. You're still waiting for Scotty Miller. And I feel like Gronkowski, the last couple of games, has really dropped the ball. Look out versus the Jets, my friend. Gronk may eat on Sunday. Yeah, and, and again, you, you, Rashad Perriman coming off the COVID list this week. He'll be back in the mix. Again, I, th- I think the Bucs, I hate to say this, I think the Bucs are, are going to – I think they really like Grayson. I think I think Grayson's really endearing himself to the staff. I think sure. Scotty Miller and, and Tyler Johnson will be desperation plays for the Buccaneers. I don't think you're going to see them on the field a whole lot. I think you're going to see Antonio Brown, Perriman, and Grayson a lot. I think you're going to see, we talked about it as well, the three tight ends. O.J. Howard played a lot more snaps Sunday. Carolina, Cam Bray with the touchdown, Gronk. I think that's the way you're going to see the Buccaneers go offensively until Evans comes back, which will probably be, I'm going to say, in the wild card game. I think they're going to keep him out of the last two, heading to the playoffs, and I think you're going to see, if if he plays at all, you're going to see him in the wild card game uh, for Mike Evans. And so, again, Quality effort defensively, again, very impressive. The pass rush was good. Lots of different guys got involved. Anthony Nelson with a sack. Goldston with a couple sacks. Again, the injury concern, Shaq Barrett. That that could be costly, obviously. Maybe not in the wild card game, theoretically, but that divisional game and maybe that championship game, if you get there, if Shaq Barrett can't come back. And obviously, he's got a sprained MCL ACL, which you never know how that goes. We all think those things heal in two weeks, but as we – you know, they don't heal that fast. Usually, usually it's a three or four week injury, probably at the minimum, if not longer. Yeah. And then you got COVID to, to mix in there. You got Mike Evans out with COVID. He's not going to play anyway, but BA uh, now on the COVID yeah. list, Sean Murphy Bunting, Jamel Dean. I mean, it's just one thing after another, and this team still finds a way to win. Yep. And I think going back to Grayson, the most impressive thing is not his uh, deep route running and getting open. It's his blocking down the field. Yep. If you don't have that block to spring, of Vaughn out there. Uh, he doesn't have that big play. So I think that's what the Bucks are looking at. They're looking at the total package when it comes to a wide receiver. That's what Godwin could give them. Uh, obviously, that's what Grayson can give them. And going back to it, look, this team has faced a lot of adversity. If they could just get healthy, if you could see that back end healthy, you saw how Whitehead played on Sunday. If this offense could get healthy, man, oh, man, oh, man, they would be something special to watch. And unfortunately, you're not going to get to see that because Godwin is out, but everybody else, you hope that you can have him back for the start of the postseason. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And again, Bucks with two games to go in the season. Obviously we're going to talk about the jets coming up this week. They got Carolina week 18 in Tampa. So still a lot to play for. They can, they can still get the two seed. Obviously the NFC is kind of the green base, probably going to be the one seed, but the two, three and four slots are up for grabs us Dallas. And now the Rams are in, or in the, in the front spot in the NFC West with Arizona kind of nosedive in the other direction. So the Bucs still have a lot to play for. You can't slip up here against the Jets, a game you got to win. And then we'll see what happens in week 18, depending on the standings and the scenarios, how much the Buccaneer starters play, that kind of stuff. So we'll see how that goes. But um, let's get to the New York Jets this week. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. Yes, right. just in the season. Yes, yes. This <laughs> <laughs> the G- again Jets again they won last week they beat Jacksonville so a little bit of confidence with the Jets you got Zach Wilson played okay last week you had Robert Sala was out with COVID they win with the kind of the interim head coach Ron Middleton 
who's a former Tampa Bay Buccaneer, uh, Ron Middleton back in the day, back in the 80, late 80s, 90s. Middleton was, I believe he was a tight end with the Buccaneers. Uh, I believe that's where he played in his career. So he was the interim coach. We head up to MetLife Stadium, the Sunday 1 o'clock game. Bucks all-time record is 2-10 versus the Jets. This is the awesome. one franchise we have, we have beaten the least in our franchise history. Yeah, not many good memories. And, and this goes all the way back to the 80s, but I can remember early 90s there. The Jets are one of the garbage franchises, but that's how bad the Bucks were back then. They couldn't even beat the Jets and have not been able to beat the Jets. So some uh, some bad memories there and not a lot of good stuff. Uh, we can definitely talk about this. I know we're going to go mm-hmm. through the timeline, but uh, two and ten, man, nothing to write home about. And they've only played them tw- and, and, and think about it, they've only played them 12 times over the course of, you know, you know, 45, 46 years, something like that. Right. So not a lot of, not even a lot of games they've played, but again, a dismal two and 10 record against the Jets. Um, as we approach meeting number 13, hopefully it's not an unlucky 13 as we head up to MetLife on Sunday. All right. So let's, first of all, before we get to that, two, two, uh, two, it's been a sad week in the NFL. John Madden passing away on Tuesday. Give me your just your general thoughts of John Madden. I know you're you and I are similar age. You know we've grown up with the Madden video game. We've known John Madden as a announcer. We're both a little young for John Madden as a coach to really appreciate that. But just your general thoughts on the passing of John Madden. I mean, a sad day for the NFL. A sad day for anybody that loved football. And you just got done watching all Madden on Christmas that, you know, NFL Films and Fox put together a splendid presentation of his life's work. And they did it in an hour and a half. And it's amazing. But you didn't know he was the winningest Raiders coach in their history. You didn't know that he was one of the youngest coaches of all time to win a Super Bowl. And then he basically gets burned out, becomes an announcer, and he becomes your family friend. And I was talking to uh, my buddy tonight, Leo Haggerty, and I said, you kind of remind me of John Madden. And he said, why? And I said, it's like the grandfather I never knew. And he almost felt like even if you didn't know the guy personally, but you felt like you did because of the way he talked to you, the way he taught football. And then, of course, you know, the transition process going from a broadcaster to Madden football. Who doesn't play Madden football these days? I am 43 years old and I will still play Madden football until I'm dead. I don't care if I'm married. I don't care what happens. I love that game. And if you're a football fan, you have played that game numerous times with your friends. So a lot of great memories with my father, of course, passing on playing Madden with him and then sitting down and watching the game of the week. And it was usually the 49ers or the Cowboys or something. And when Pat Summerall and John Madden came to town, yep. it was a special event, especially when they called Bucks games, because they never called Bucks games back then. When they did, boy, you paid attention. And it was always, I know he had an infatuation with big linemen. There's one story where it's Frank Middleton, and I believe it's against the Green Bay Packers. He's like, this guy's a big guy. Look at, look at, look at his posterior there. And it, it was that type of stuff that made you want to watch. And it was simplistic. But it was beautiful at the same time because it kept your attention. Rest in peace, John Madden. Unbelievable yeah. icon. And I think if I'm if I'm not mistaken, and you we might be able to verify this on buckpower.com. I think Madden's first game he did for CBS might have been in Tampa. I, mm-hmm. I might have been. I know he I know he he did a game in Tampa that first year he worked for CBS in 1980. 
but I might have to check that. But I think maybe his first game he ever did was maybe in Tampa. I think you're right. I think you're right because I was watching that the other night and he was talking from Tampa. And of course he wasn't on the A team at that point. Uh, he was, you know, just a, you know, second or third guy there. No, he was a floater. Talking. They moved right. him around to several they, different lead correct. announcers. And before he got hooked up with Summerall, that was one of the interesting things I thought he bounced around from Ben Scully to Jack Buck to different guys. Who was his first guy, his first play-by-play guy, little guy, and and it became uh, famous, of course, for, to me, he should be the baseball commissioner one of these days. Well, he did his try, and I know you're talking about, he did his tryout performance when CBS was trying him out. He did a tryout with Bob Costas. Yeah. That's amazing. Right. And he did it at, in LA, right? I mean, that's where you played. That's where yeah. you played all your games at that point. And then it's kind of like a different perspective. And he was saying, you know, who's this little guy? And then the little guy starts to talk and he's like, Ooh, this guy might be good. Yeah. Madden knew it. He knew he was good. And it was so funny because he wasn't intending to being a broadcaster. He no. actually went to a college course and was teaching people how to watch football which is, of course, Jason Powers. I'm taking all day long with Sean Madden. <laughs> Imagine that back then. So such a cool story. And, yep. and there's so many, so much history there and lineage, if you will, with Troy Inkman and, and Brett Favre. He loves him. And, yep. and it, you know, the Dallas Cowboys and Nate Newton and, of course, Lawrence Taylor. He started the, the all Madden thing, the production, uh, when it started on Christmas on Fox they were talking to him and they were saying, Oh, the NFL wants you to do something. And he's like, I'm not doing it. And then they mentioned Matt and he says, I'm absolutely doing it. That's how much respect he had yeah. for Matt. And then from a production perspective of TV games, Madden was instrumental in revolutionizing how these networks cover the games. He came up with the first down yellow line. That was his idea to sh- for have that yellow line on the screen for us all to see where the really? first down is. Really? He, also, he was also the first one to say, Let's go talk to the coaches and the players on Saturday before the game. Let's go watch practice as a crew, as a broadcasting crew, to figure out what they're doing, to talk to the coaches and players. So that was never happening before John Madden jumped in the mix. And the way you're doing your hands right now is the way I do my hands. And you know why? Because we're both Madden fans. And he talked with such emotion, and it's okay. Everybody's like, you know, keep your hands down. No, Madden's all over the place. He has his telestrator. I mean, he's telling yeah. you a story. He's painting a picture, and it's a Picasso, my friend, the way he did it. I love John Madden. Love and, him. And, and, and as a coach, he's very underrated because he won over 100 games in 10 years. He was 32 years old when he was the head, when he got hired by the Raiders, retired at 42, basically, after his 10 yeah. year run, which nowadays is unheard of that a guy would retire after at 42 years old, never came back. And, you know, a lot of guys quit, get fired, resign, whatever. And they come back two or three years later, a year later, Madden never came back. I'm amazed by that. I'm, I'm surprised that he has one of the highest winning percentages of all, like second or third all time winning percentage. It's amazing at that point. It's like a hundred wins with the Raiders. And you would think, you know, why would he, he started as a linebacking coach. And he went from that coach and, and that was the greatness of Al Davis at the time. And, and people just remember how crazy Al Davis was, but right. before that he was instrumental in, you know, the AFL and, yep. and the NFL and AFC NFC coming together. 
And that was one of his wisest moves, if you will. And I can't believe he burned out because he loved football so much, but you knew that he was going to become a great broadcaster. He just had it. He had that uh, emotion about him. He had that personality. Uh, people said he was like a cartoon character and you saw him do Saturday night live. You saw him do these commercials. It's so funny. Like this guy was ahead of his time. It's just uh, amazing. And remember he oversaw the Raiders when they were the renegade Raiders of the seventies. I mean, mm. it was no holds barred. Those guys were let allowed to do, I won't say whatever they wanted, but they had a lot of characters, Kenny Stabler, Jack Tatum, you know, yep. all those kind of guys. That, all these that outcasts. Were, yeah. That no teams wanted. Yeah. Yep. It's amazing. Dave Casper. I mean, some amazing games there and, 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 he, and, and rivalries, if you will, with the Steelers and the Dolphins. It's just some great. Just imagine how many Super Bowls he, he literally could have won in that 10 year period if it wasn't for the dynasty of the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Miami Dolphins in yeah. the 70s. Yeah, because the Raiders were a great team. And they have lots of great Hall of Famers. And again, yeah. Madden, a Hall of Fame coach, but just sometimes teams have your number. We talk about the Saints and the Bucks. Saints yeah. have the Bucks number, but you know, sometimes it doesn't turn out that way. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it's definitely very cool to uh, experience him. Yes, as a, as a and folks, guy. if you haven't watched the All Madden on Fox, you got to catch it, man. It's great yeah. television. They go in depth. A lot of cool, you know, a lot of cool tidbits that nobody probably knew about John Madden going into it. So yeah. definitely a must watch for you, our bucket, even Buccaneer fans here and uh, and all that. One more guy I want to make a quick mention out to Jeff Dickerson. The Chicago Bears beat writer for a long time, long time beat writer for the Chicago Bears, passed away at 44 years old yesterday as well with John Madden. If you follow sports radio and the Bears, he's a guy that you know, if you're a Bears fan, he passed away, he had a, he had a, a cancer illness, he lost his wife about two years ago with kind of a similar illness, he left behind a couple children, so just a, a terrible, tough day, obviously in the NFL world, losing Jeff Dickerson and John Madden. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 44 years old. Once again, I'm 43, so that scares the hell out of me. But you know, right. instrumental with the Chicago Bears, did some great work with ESPN yep. uh, Chicago there. Uh, you always hate to see that because these are the guys that we look to, Jason Powers, for our information. Yes. These are the guys that motivate us to do the things that we do with these shows and these podcasts. These are the guys we listen to when we're kids. And we grow up and you say, hey, I, I just throw it out there. TJ Reeves, you know, he's a guy yes. that I listened to when I was a kid. And th that's the type of stuff that inspires you to do uh, a great podcast like this. No quarter given. We'll be right back to the podcast in just a minute. Now a word from our sponsor, BetUS. Hey, guys and girls with the college bowl games in full swing in the NFL playoffs fast approaching. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. As you may or may not know, BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for almost three decades, thriving, and most importantly, paying their loyal customer base. That is BetUS.com. They have loads of bonuses available to you. Join now or call 1-800-69-BETUS. That is 1-800-MYBETUS. You will receive 125% of a sign-up bonus by using the bonus code, promo code 125. Not 50, not 75, not 100, but 125%. They have re-up re and referral bonuses as well. BetUS is known as America's favorite sports book for a ton of reasons. BetUS has all of your NBA, NHL games with team and player props and loads of NFL odds and plays. You can bet UFC matches, UFC props, 
PGA Tour Golf, PGA Tour Golf Round Matchups, and live betting on most sports. The online casino has hundreds of games, and the racebook has all of your favorite horse tracks from around the country. They have every bet type imaginable, and the BetUS mobile platform is easy with full betting options. Follow my lead and get your phone, online, and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. BetUS. You bet, you win, and more importantly, you get paid. BetUS. And remember our promo code XXXX. BetUS, where the game begins. All right, so before we get to the Jets, remember buckpower.com is your place for all things Bucks, stats, video, audio clips. You might even see if you go on there, you might see an audio or video clip of John Madden back in the day doing a Buccaneers game. I, again, I think he did his first ever game at Tampa Stadium, but I'll, but again, I, I will get that verified, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. So he didn't do he, many after that. I mean, it was, it was. Like few and far between it it didn't happen until Tony Dungy came here and made this team a winner. I I, I can, I can bet on that, but he may have done one of his first games here. You know, it is the anniversary. And I looked on the website, buckpower.com of their first playoff victory over the Philadelphia Eagles. I remember that 1979. Hmm. Be Ron Jaworski and company in Tampa stadium. Yes. Nice. Harry right, Carmichael, too, right? That's right. That's right. Harold Carmichael, Alt, Wilbur Montgomery, Dick Vermeil was the coach. Who also, by the way, burned out. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Let's start with the Jets. 1976. Yeah. Guess who was the quarterback for the Jets as they lost, as they got shut out at Old Shea Stadium? 1976 in the Buccaneer expansion year, Peter Blake. I know you know the answer. Well, I know the answer, but Shea Stadium is a dump. Well, let's just put that out there. But uh, Steve Spurrier was worse that day. So, yeah, Steve Spurrier was the. No, who was the Jets quarterback? Oh, the don't Jets love, Don't cheat. Don't cheat. Yes. The Jets, the Jets quarterback. And this is what year? 76. It's got to be Joe Namath still, right? One Joe Willie Namath was still the quarterback for the Jets in 76. Out of Alabama, just like Kenny Stabler. Out of Pennsylvania and went to Alabama, 31-0. Shut out of the Buccaneers in 1976 in Old Shea Stadium. All right. By the way, what a dump of a stadium, by the way. Yeah, that is a dump. The most famous game I remember at Shea Stadium was when the Dolphins played the Jets in a playoff game. And A.J. Dewey for the Dolphins in, like, 1982 had, like, three interceptions as a Miami linebacker and just played an incredible game in, like, a mud bowl. It was a rainy, disgusting day in Shea Stadium. A.J. Dewey intercepted Richard Todd, like, three times in a playoff game for the Dolphins to advance in the playoffs. So that was that's probably – and also I remember Mark Gastineau in the New York Sack Exchange – Back in the day, Joe Klecko, Mark Gastineau, and those guys in the early 80s were, were just dominating on, on the defensive line. And they were. And it was always a matchup with the Dolphins. It was always the Dolphins and the Jets. And there was always something to that because there was a lot of Jets fans who always wanted them to draft Dan Marino. And, of course, they drafted the greatness of Ken O'Brien. But to, with respect, Ken O'Brien put up some big-time numbers did. versus the Miami Dolphins, so and they were competitive to a certain degree. 
but you and still. I remember, you and I remember, I remember uh, Ken O'Brien and Marino played a famous game in the Meadowlands, like 1985 or 86, what, 52 mm-hmm. to 45? Yep. It, was, it was like a 52-45 game, and it was an incredible, just a shootout kind of game at the Meadowlands. And again, Ken O'Brien had an underrated career. He did a pretty pretty good job with the Jets for a three- or four-year period, but he yeah. was no Dan Marino for sure. No, he was never the, no Dan Marino, and, and you're right. So you're exactly right. That uh, rivalry in itself was crazy in the eighties. All right, the only games, the only two games the Buccaneers have beaten the Jets. We're gonna re, we're gonna recap them both here. Nineteen eighty four, end of the regular season in eighty four. John McKay's final game as head coach of the Buccaneers. You know, remember John was the original head coach for the Bucks. He'd been there from seventy six. Couple interesting tidbits here, Mr. Blake. Mm-hmm. First of all, John McKay's final game. So you knew it was going to be an emotional game for everybody involved for the Buccaneer franchise. He had already announced, I believe, that he was leaving. Mm-hmm. Two, James Wilder, the Buccaneer great, who a lot of people think should be in the ring of honor, that type thing. He was going for an NFL record to try to have the most combined rushing and receiving yards in a season. That was also the same year Eric Dickerson had broken the rushing record. Like over, like 2184 was the number, I believe, yep. the, the rushing record. But Wilder had an opportunity to break the all-time combined record in that game in order for the Buck him to do that. And he had a decent game against the Jets. The Jets, the Bucks were up 41-14 late in the game. McKay, knowing he wanted an opportunity for Wilder to break the record, he tells defensive coordinator Wayne Fonts to tell the defense, we're going to let the Jets score here in the last minute or so, so we get one more possession to try to break the record. They they let them score. They basically lay down and let the Jets score a garbage touchdown. The Jets kick off. The Bucks try to get Wilder the record. They come up short, mm. don't get the record, but they still carry John McKay off the field on their shoulders post game. And I'm going to get to the tidbit after that. But your thoughts on the Buccaneers trying to get James Wilder that record, 1984? Well, it's crazy to think that, you know, the defense basically laid down, but we've seen that before happening in games, right? We've seen it happen in the Super Bowl before. I believe it was the Giants and the the Patriots, and Patriots are trying to let the Giants running back score. I believe it's Amon Bradshaw, and Bradshaw goes down to the two-yard line, and, of course, Patriots end up losing. They always lose to the Giants in the Super Bowl. But it's funny, and then I know you're going to get to this because we got the story from Paul. He talked about this, but the very next year. Payback. Bad. (laughs) So, so folks, if you guys were watching last Sunday in the NFL, you saw the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow. He threw for like 525 yards, and he threw a long bomb at the end of the game. They were killing Baltimore. He threw a long bomb to Joe Mixon to break that Cincinnati record and the, and the Ravens were not happy one bit about that. The game was out of hand in hand. All they had to do was kneel down and they threw a long bomb. So 1985, the jets play the Buccaneers again here in Tampa. Payback is hell. My brother. Well, actually at the Meadowlands. Okay. My, you're right. My bad. My bad. That's all, and that's all right. Go to buckpower.com in order to, to see that, but you're exactly right. They jump out for the Bucks jump out 14 nothing early. So we're all thinking, okay, here it goes again. We're gonna lay it up, lay the smack down on them again. (laughs) Well, 
62 to 28 later, the Jets rub it in to the Buccaneers, and you can be assured there was payback from 1984 trying to run the score up on the Buccaneers in Lehman Bennett's first year as head coach. And that defense was so bad. They didn't even have to let them score. They just scored because you couldn't stop them. Ken O'Brien was the quarterback for the Jets at the time. So, uh, yeah. 62. Yes, 62 points. I remember a game, and this is going back to the Bengals, and I believe this is 1988 or 89. The Bengals blew the doors off of the box and was like 56 to 14. And this is the team that had Sam Weish and, of course, Boomer Sison. Welcome to the jungle. And I believe it's 88, 88 or 89. And boy, that was horrible in itself. See, and that's why I got to bookpower.com to check that out to see what year that was. And I can promise you there are clips from that 1984 game and that 1985 game on bookpower.com. But, you know, that's just one of those games where you know these teams. I don't care who the coach is, who the friend. When you run it up on somebody, that, that organization remembers it, and they're going to stick it to you if they get a chance to do that. And I can promise you, for example, next time the Baltimore Ravens play the Bengals, if they ever get a chance to run it up on the Bengals, they will run it up based on what Joe Burrow did to them last Sunday as well. Well, sure. Absolutely. Especially when a guy throws for over 500 yards. I mean, the, the Ravens, got you got to stop somebody. And I get it. A lot of people get upset. They go, well, they're going to rub it in. Well, stop them. If you stop them, yeah. they're not going to lay down because you never know what's going to happen in the NFL. And this type of thing always happens in uh, college football where, you know, this was about rankings or whatever. You had to beat a team to a certain degree. And Steve Spurrier was the guy that would just, he would not, he would unleash the dogs. I mean, he yeah. didn't care. He was not kneeling down. He was clobbering you for that ranking. A lot of people didn't like that, but crazier things have happened. They have, we've seen it. So yeah, I mean, I think there's a memory here and I, I know you're going to get to the timeline, but one, I always never forget it's 2013. And I am trying to sell everybody on the fact that all this team needed was Darrell Revis, Darrell Revis, Greg Schiano, second year. It's going to turn around. He's coming off the torn ACL. He's playing the jets. The Bucks look like they're going to win this game. It's an ugly game. And of course, Levante David hits Geno Smith out of bounds, which sets up the jets, gives them second life so they can kick a field goal. I never forget that game because there was so much hype that year, in my opinion, but it started off so awful with MRSA and Darrell Revis and this and that. It was just so awful after that. And and, and that I believe that was Carl Nix. Was that the Carl Nix situation when all that started with the MRSA and Lawrence Tynes had the issue with, yep. in, the, in the locker yep. room and all that stuff? And, yep. you know, we never got to see Carl Nix. We thought he was going to be a big-time free agent acquisition from the Saints and that MRSA issue just never, never allowed him to be a player ever again, really to the level he was at. Well, it was an injury situation. He can never, you know, I don't think it was MRSA for him. I think it was for the kicker, yeah. but it was for for him, that toe injury. It could, it never got better. It was almost like a turf toe for Vinny Testaverde. You remember this in the late eighties to early nineties, he had this turf toe problem and it was an ongoing situation where he would miss games or you wouldn't play well. And people go, well, he's colorblind. He has turf toe. You're, well, how many right. years do you have turf toe for? You know, Aaron Rodgers is playing through turf toe right now. We'll see how, I guess it's turf toe. Maybe it's just a toe injury at this point, but right. yeah. Let's, uh, get just, to two, um, let's get to the 2000s, kind of the Keyshawn Johnson storyline mm-hmm. here with the Buccaneers. Remember, 
Buccaneer yep. fans, two, the year 2000, the Buccaneers in April of 2000, the Bucks trade two number ones to the Jets for Keyshawn. Remember, that was the Tony Dungy time timeline. We all thought we were a wide receiver away from really being a big-time offense. Keyshawn Johnson, number one pick out of USC to the Jets, disgruntled, didn't want to be in New York anymore. The Bucs basically trade the farm away, two number ones, which at that time was a ransom, was a fortune to pay for a wide receiver. Those two number ones turned into John Abraham and another former Buccaneer, a guy that's still been involved with the organization, one Anthony Betts was the other draft was the other draft pick from those number ones. So Keyshawn Johnson's in the fold for the Buccaneers 2000. We played the Jets that year. Keyshawn Johnson, one catch for one yard. And the guy he's ripping the whole time he was in New York, little Wayne Corbett, the original little possession receiver who had a hell of a career with the Jets at a Hofstra, throws, caught the game-winning TD pass on a tailback option throw from Curtis Martin and Vinny Testaverde is the quarterback for the New York Jets as well. And the Bucs had the lead in this game, 17 to three. And I, I'll never forget it. It was terrible weather. All the talk was how Wayne Corbett was the green lantern and all this other stuff. Keyshawn did absolutely nothing in that game. The defense shut him out. Parcells, was he coaching also? I think so. Parcells was coaching. Vinny Testaverde came back to town. And they won the game. And it's just one of those games where you just like, you feel like, just excuse my language, you got kicked in the nuts. Okay. <laughs> because all you heard, all you heard all week long was how Keyshawn was going to kill it. Wing Corbett was nothing. And of course, it comes back to haunt you. And it's got to be Wayne Corbett going in the end zone to secure the game for the game clincher. That it's what it's like to be a Bucs fan back then. It was always like that, Jason Powers. You know this. With Vinny Testaverde at quarterback, and then the guy, right. who, and then the guy who jilts us at the offer, off off at the altar, late yes. in the eighties and nineties, one Bill Parcells as who the head I coach. I can't stand because I still think of that moment where uh, he goes on NFL Live on NBC and he goes, "I'm wearing too many hats." And Hugh Coverhouse, everybody thinks that the deal is done. And he goes, I think I got left at the altar. And I feel like that's when Hugh died at that point. You know, it's not years later. That's when Hugh Coverhouse died because everybody and their mama thought Bill Parcells was going to come out of the booth and be the Tampa Bay Buccaneer coach. And then he did it 10 to 11 years later where he left the Bucs at the altar. So I'm never going to forgive Bill Parcells. <laughs> and I don't care if he's a Hall of Fame coach. He's a Bucs killer. Uh, he should have at least coach one of these teams, and he coached none of them. <laughs> oh, I God, the yes. I hate some... the Jets. I hate Bill Parcells. Yes, I damn was... hate Wing Corbett. But you know what? It always goes back to it, right? The, the one that's always talking is the one usually that's going to lose. And, and, and I feel like, you know, this franchise has been through it. The fans have been through it. And the, the emotion of that game, it was just a sloppy game. You just knew something bad was going to happen, and it did. It did. <laughs> All right, last meeting, 2017 in Tampa. Bucks win 15-10. Ryan Fitzmagic, our buddies, playing quarterback for the Bucks. You know, the Jets were led by former Buck Josh McCown, Austin mm. Safarian Jenkins. You know, we win 15-10, kind of a ho-hum kind of game. Eh. That was Dirk Cutter. Awful. 
that was one of the awesome. you know that was one of the dirt cutter years <laughs> you know just uh there are when you really think when you really look at this rivalry there have been some multiple guys that have played for both franchises that have sure. come back to play against the buccaneers and for the jets so just kind of a whole home kind of game you know this only the second time the bucks have ever beat them so let's get to sunday let's yes get to sunday in metlife again a game the bucks got to win bruce arians has tested positive for COVID. We don't know what his status is going to be for Sunday. Harold Goodwin will be the interim coach if Arians can't coach. Remember, the NFL has now altered the protocols, reducing the time from 10 days to five days. So there's still a chance Arians could, could, test, could test negative and coach. We'll be interested to see how that works out. Just your thoughts of the Buccaneers going into New York, potentially without their head coach, but a game that the Bucs really need to win. They need to win this game. They should win this game talent-wise. They're more talented. Of course, you know, the weather could be a factor, but you look at it, Tom Brady's record all-time versus the Jets, 27-9. and They should absolutely clobber the Jets, and that's all I want to see. I want to see them clobber the Jets like they did to the Carolina Panthers. Enough with the 2-10. and Let's go 3-10 and for this team, and they should be able to do it. I get it. They have lots of injuries, but be balanced, especially if it's raining. And even if it's not, it's not going to stop Tom Brady from throwing the ball all over the lot. And again, stay healthy. This is a game you yep. should be able to win, even if you have to play some backup reserve players, even if Jamel Dean and Murphy Bunny can't go. Maybe you get Richard Sherman back in the mix a little bit. You got Carlton Davis. Again, Jordan Whitehead had a tremendous game in Carolina last week. He was all over the field early in that game, really played really well. The defensive line played really well, the depth. I think you're seeing the depth of this defense starting to show themselves with Todd Bowles and company. Remember, Todd Bowles used to be the head coach of the New York Jets. So I can promise you he's going to unleash the dogs from a blitzing perspective against rookie quarterback Zach Wilson. Yeah, let's see uh, Devin White get after it. Let's see Anthony Nelson throw another lineman on the ground like a rag doll. I mean, how did you not like seeing that, Jason Powers? The seven sacks from that defensive line. And Jordan Whitehead will absolutely knock your head off sideline to sideline. One of the best games I've seen a safety ever play. If you got that type of production from your defense, you can do anything you want to. And I think the Bucs do that on Sunday. And again, I think you're going to see more running. I think you're going to see more, especially if the weather is potentially going to be not great in New York. You're going to see a lot of Ronald Jones, Keyshawn Vaughn, maybe even Le'Veon Bell, another former New York Jet. Maybe they get him a couple carries. <laughs> to stick it into his former team one right. more time kind of deal as well. So I think you, you this could be the kind of game you'll that you could see that. Um, obviously, Brady has owned the Jets in his career as a Patriot. Gronkowski's had big moments there. Again, stay healthy. Go there and get the job done. Don't screw around. Don't mess around and let the Jets hang in the game. Um, you got a rookie quarterback. You, they're not good at all. This should be a no, game you win no. by 17 to 21 points, probably minimum. Um, take care of business, stay in the hunt for the number two seed, and then bring it home for the final finale, the home finale against Carolina in week 18. So um, give me a score prediction, Peter Blake. Uh, let's go ahead and go 35 to uh, 10 Tampa okay. Bay. And let's, let's go with the best case scenario. You're handing the ball off to Levy on bell and you're up by, I don't know, 20 or 30 points. And he's just keep on running it to, <laughs> to all those years. To get through his head, he should have never left Pittsburgh in the right. first place to go to the Jets. Right. I mean, honestly. So, yeah. All he did was the Jets is steal money. That's it. <laughs> it. 
and, uh, he's like yeah. an, another player in in uh, baseball. Remember uh, Vinny Castiller? Castilla came Vinny from Castillo. Uh, yes, Vinny. Yeah, the, yes, yeah. Vinny Castiller, because uh, that's Castiller. how he played. With the <laughs> so we're looking at twelve and four Buccaneer fans. Remember BuckPower.com. We're part of the BuckPower.com podcast network. Paul Stewart has a podcast out about James Wilder, his argument, why he should be in the in the ring of honor. So check that out. Again, Peter Blake, tell everybody where they can find you on social media and online. Yeah, absolutely. On social media. Once again, Peter H. Blake on Facebook. Go and friend me there on Twitter, pblake1003. And of course, the evolution of sports talk television, the sports web Monday and Wednesdays on I Love St. Pete. Of course, go like and follow me subscribe to the sports web on youtube do three things here on this uh uh almost new year's eve yes. bring your passion bring your excitement just don't bring any nonsense i'm your host peter blake giving you something to think about all right before i get to my plugging what are you doing for new year's what's your plans any big plans uh, the, uh, the- plan is to stay as good as I can because I have to actually get up the next morning and go to the Outback Bowl, be on the field by 10 o'clock. So I got invited to some parties, but I got to be a good boy that night. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to enjoy the football. I'm going to try not to, uh, you know, have too many adult beverages. So that's, and I'm going to watch football. I mean, that night, it's so weird. That Friday night, it starts at 3.30. I'm off the whole day. So I'll be waiting for that football day to come. Uh, who do you like? Who do you like in those games? Remember, yeah, before? remember, folks, we got the national championship semifinals: Alabama, Cincinnati, Georgia, Michigan on Friday, on New Year's Eve, starting at three thirty. I like Alabama, a couple touchdowns over Cincinnati, and I think the Georgia, Michigan game will be a really good game for a long stretch of the game. I think Georgia will find a way to get it done in Miami to get to the to set up Georgia, Alabama part two. And I say, I like Alabama over Cincinnati, of course. And, yep. and I also, actually, I like Michigan to win this game okay. and face Alabama. And I've been on this podcast before. I've said it. I think it's Michigan's year to win it all. So we'll yeah. see. That will be, that would be, you would be, you would be in the minority on that one. I can promise you that's a, that's a, <laughs> that's a bold prediction out of my man, Peter Blake. <laughs> the Buccaneer fans, Powers on Sports podcast. You can, that's where you can find me, YouTube channel, Powers on Sports, Twitter at Sports as well. We'd love to hear from you on comments about this podcast. Remember, this podcast is all over the podcast platforms, Google, Apple, Stitcher, and Buccaneer fans. I'm gonna, and then Peter doesn't know this either. We have a legendary Buccaneer that I think is going to be in the fold for the next episode next week, week 18 against Carolina. We have a Buccaneer legend that I think is going to happen. We're going to have him on the episode interview. A Buccaneer legend will probably most likely be on the next episode of No Quarter Given next week with Carolina to wrap up the regular season. So I can't tell you who, Peter Blake. No hints at this point. Well, he he and me have some things in common. He and I. Uh Oh, okay. I'm so Buccaneer just fans, like if you that. remember some tidbits that I've told you about myself over the over the mm-hmm. weeks, he and I have something in common mm. that I think we're gonna have this guy on next week for the Carolina Panthers. He was a Panther killer too mm. over his career. So you gotta yep. stay tuned. No quarter given podcast 
next week. Buccaneers 12 and 4, we hope. Division title in the bag and ready. We're playing for playoff position. And Buccaneer fans, we will see you next week on the No Quarter Given Podcast. Join us again soon for another preview of a scallywag Buccaneer foe when we come back with another No Quarter Given podcast. And make sure for the best in historical Buck coverage, you go to BuckPower.com. And as always, keep listening to the BuckPower.com podcast network.